What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. My name is Mike Levan, and I am joined today with guest Steve Buchanan, Principal Program Manager at Microsoft on, I believe, the AKS team, right, Steve? Uh, no, I, actually, I'm not on a product group. I sort of hang off of the product groups like a branch. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. But you're you're very uh, in the the AKS, the GitOps, the whole entire Kubernetes ecosystem, right? Which is cool because you get to play around with all the different tools, not just uh, AKS specific. Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually, uh, I'm on a team where we focus on improving Azure. So I focus specifically a lot on AKS right now, as well as Azure Arc. So I'm doing stuff in that space. But you might see me in other areas of Azure in the future as well. Awesome, man. Very cool. And yeah, you know what? I think Arc is a big topic in itself because the, the whole idea of having this hybrid model, right? Like you're, you're, we're going to always have organizations, at least for the next 10, 20 plus years, that will have servers on-prem that will probably have entire data centers, big Fortune 500. So having the ability to say, for example, take an Azure Stack HCI box, pop it into a data center, have your cloud native Kubernetes ready and, you know, hook everything up with Arc and all that good stuff. So I know we primarily want to talk about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, the whole movement around AKS, GitHub Actions and Argo CD, right? Yeah, definitely. So we're, we're doing a lot of stuff in that space, um, just with GitOps in general and with AKS and Recently, I modernized um, an article, and the article is all about um, taking DevOps, like CI, the CI part of DevOps, combining that with GitOps on the CD side using Argo CD. And so taking GitHub Actions and being able to build your application into a container, push that up to Azure Container Registry or really any container registry, and then taking GitOps, specifically Argo CD, but you also could use Flux or any other GitOps operator and then deploying that to your Kubernetes cluster. In this scenario of the document, it's AKS, right? And then you get, a, you get all these benefits with GitOps um, that you don't normally get with just standard CD. Yeah, you know it's funny. I was just I was uh, just teaching a GitOps for Kubernetes course yesterday, and it was around Flux and Argo primarily. And when I was sharing a few things on the screen, I was using AKS, and uh, it it just seems like it flows nice and naturally. Like it's you know it's really solid. Even um, when we're talking about like an HA install, right? As long as you have three worker nodes where the pod anti-affinity comes into play. So Redis can be spread across uh, three of the worker nodes. Like everything just is smooth in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's been a lot of work that's gone into AKS to, to make it smooth um, in that way. So the, this document that was just published actually this week is called build and deploy apps on AKS using DevOps. And along with the article, is a repository and the repository is in the AKS um, baseline automation. And so you can go and actually grab the code and you can deploy what's in the article. That's right? very cool. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm looking at the article right now and it looks like it, it has a bunch of technologies, right? So GitHub for source control, GitHub actions for your CI CD, 
Azure Container Registry to store the container images, AKS for Kubernetes, Argo, and then of course, uh, you know, observability and monitoring with Azure Monitor. So what what was the uh, big push around this article? It was really, so the, the previous article was using like Azure DevOps, which you could still use Azure DevOps, right, in this scenario. But he was using like Azure DevOps, he was using Jenkins. And honestly, you could still use Jenkins um, as opposed to GitHub Actions. But we really wanted to modernize and show that you could use GitHub, you could use GitHub Actions, you could use that in combination with other technologies like Container Registry and Argo CD, or really any GitOps operator, to modernize your end-to-end um, build and deployment of your application to AKS. And we wanted to show how easy it, wa it was or it is. We also wanted to build out some architecture so you can actually download some Visio diagrams and you know make some changes to your environment or according to your environment, but use the diagrams as, as a starting point. And you can get the code and you can actually use the GitHub Actions code and start from there, but modify it as needed, right? And so we wanted to put this all together so that customers could go out there and get this and use it and just get up and going with this pretty easy. Another thing that, that I used in this article is called the AKS Construction Helper. And so I came from Accenture, right? Accenture and Avanade. And a lot of what I did there was went to Fortune 500 companies and helped them architect and design their AKS environments and their Azure landing zones. And like AKS, Kubernetes in general, as you know, Michael, is like there's so many moving parts to it. And so there's so many things you want to think about ahead of time and make sure you get those things right. And so that's one part of it is like, hey, let's let's design and architect this. The other part is like, man, we need to build this. And do we go and click, click, click in the portal every time we need to do this? Absolutely not. You want to write that as infrastructure as code and you want to build out a pattern as an organization, right? And so the AKS construction helper helps you do that. Because you just go and you select all these different options and it spits out code at the end of it. And it spits out either Bicep, Terraform, or straight Azure CLI code that you can go and use. And so it also, like with the AKS Construction Helper, it does things like you want to enable RBAC, you want to enable App Gateway Ingress Controller, or maybe Nginx, or a Service Mesh, or like integration with Key Vault. Right. So there's all these things that are typically pretty complex and hard to do. And this tool helps you generate that. So I brought that into the article, too. And actually, there's a link in the article where you can click on it and it brings you to a pre-configuration. So all you need to do is grab the code and go run it in your environment and then go do your CI CD stuff. I always find it interesting with uh, the direction that Microsoft is going in and I feel like I don't see this a lot in, in a bunch of other organizations, but one of my big things, right, as an independent consultant is I, I specifically don't pick sides. I'm always thinking of the hybrid model, right? Like, let's say I need to use this tool from this company with this tool, right? And I think that's like a big direction of where Microsoft is going, which is awesome. So like, for example, you brought up RBAC. I love the fact that I can use Azure Active Directory, which 
Active Directory has been around for how long now? It's clearly a solid solution for authorization and authentication. Um, I, I love the fact that I can use Azure Active Directory with, for example, my Google Kubernetes engine clusters or something even right. outside of Azure, right? And I think that's like what I see Azure doing a lot. They're bringing in other solutions and saying, hey, listen, we realize you want to use other solutions. For example, I was just playing around with um, the Azure Grafana service today, which was awesome. Out of the box, it, it hooks up Azure Monitor. You can see your services, et cetera. Um, last month, I was doing a ton of OpenShift work. Just so happens that I came across uh, the OpenShift service in Azure, right? So there, there are all these different tools that you can use, and it's not just Azure. And I, and I think that's a, an important thing to bring up here because like, I'm looking at the architecture diagram as we speak. And it's bringing in other tools, right? It's bringing in Argo. It's bringing in uh, GitHub, right? Where I'll I'll still differentiate Microsoft and GitHub because I, I still see it as, as two different companies, even though it isn't. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. So you could actually take the architecture from um, the article and, you know, with your AKS cluster, if you don't want to use Key Vault, you don't have to. You could use HashiCorp Vault, right? Um, if you don't want to use Microsoft's ingress controller. You could use another one. You could use whatever you want for service mesh. It's it's completely flexible. And that's one of the things we wanted to do with this article too, is just show like, hey, you could use Flux or you could use Argo CD. And it works with Argo CD, right? It works with Flux. Also, you honestly could take out GitHub Actions and you could use Jenkins. So like if your company... Um, has standardized on Jenkins, you could use that to do the build and push to Azure Container Registry. So you could sort of plug and play, right? Like uh, like Lego blocks. And so, yeah, that's that's definitely um, a direction of Microsoft. And and honestly, I loved when I saw that before joining Microsoft. And it's it's been really cool uh, to see that from the internal side after joining Microsoft. How how much Microsoft has embraced like the open source community and tools. The other thing, Michael, is like, so part of my role at Microsoft, I work a lot with multi-cloud. And so, you know, I'm working with GKE, I'm working with EKS, I'm working with, with other stuff in other clouds, right? And just using Microsoft tools to, to manage those or do integrations across architectures with other clouds or even on-premises, right? I'm spending some time with VMware. Not as much because I love to be in the container world, but um, yeah, we're, we're, we're open um, to other technologies and just bringing that together to provide those end-to-end -end solutions for customers, right? I, I would love have uh, I would have loved to have been on the conversation of whoever had to contact Amazon from Microsoft and say, "Hey, we need an, an AWS account." <laughs> 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 oh yeah, no, but I, I I totally see what you're saying there, and I think that it's in, just important in today's world in general, right? Like we we don't live in the world of like tech monopoly anymore, where it's like you got to pick this solution or this platform or this provider and just stick with it because like we can't like there. There's too much going on. There are too many different tools. There are too many different platforms. It's, it, in my opinion, is utterly impossible at this point. So it's again, it's awesome that Microsoft is going in that direction because I think just as a engineering community in general, like we kind of have to. You know, it's 
it's not something that we can just, you know, push under the rug and just say, yeah, we're just going to use a Microsoft stack or we're just going to use an Amazon stack or a Google stack. It's in my opinion, there are awesome tools and platforms for each job. Like for example, going back to Azure Active Directory from an IAM perspective, you can't beat Azure Active Directory. Like Microsoft right, has been right. in the identity <laughs> game for such a long time. Right, you, right. You can't touch it. You know, if you bring in AWS IAM, if you bring in uh, Google's, I forget what Google's is called, you, you can't touch it. You know, like even right. if you go to, you know, uh, the other third party solutions out there, which are all phenomenal, but it's just like, doesn't have that feeling, that feeling of like, yeah, this is this is a flushed out product. So that it's it definitely makes sense. Right. Cool, man. Yeah, definitely. And like, if you if you look at the uh, the reports, right, from like state of the cloud report that I think Flexera, I think that's the company puts out every year. I mean, multi cloud, the growth and the percentage of companies adopting that as their strategy is is there and it's growing. Um, also, my time being in the field, right, in consulting with Avanade and Accenture, being at companies. I can't even think of one company out of tons of clients where they're like, we're all in on one cloud. Typically, it was like, we have some AWS over here. We got some teams using GCP. We have you know Azure that, that we want to bring in, or we're already using this, this, and this in Azure. And so it's a multi-cloud world. I mean, it, there's no denying that. It's a multi-cloud world. There's always going to be some workloads that are left on premises, even if the company wants to move everything to cloud. I've been on so many uh, migration, like Azure migration projects. There's always a workload that has to be left behind for whatever reasons, right? Um, whether it's compliance or just like, I don't want to touch it because it's going to break type thing, right? Um, so it's a, it's, it's a multi-cloud, it's a hybrid cloud world. It's not a all-in cloud. And the beauty is like Microsoft was early in adopting that approach. Like, hey, customers, we're going to meet you where you are. We know you're not going to move everything to cloud. So we're going we're gonna to come up with a hybrid cloud strategy and technologies to support that. And then it was amazing to see the other big tech companies jump on board and start to adopt that too, right? Like we see stuff. In AWS, we see stuff in GCP. We even see stuff with uh, some of the other smaller cloud providers where they're embracing on-premises. They're embracing multi-cloud. Yeah, I think that it's a, a weird turn of events, right? Because I, yeah. I, I, I can remember in 2014, 2015, when it was like, everything's going to go to the cloud, right? Like there's there's no reason to keep iterating on-prem. And then now, a couple of years later, everybody's like, oh, <laughs> we're not going to all be on-prem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's I, I definitely see that as well. And and I think that brings up a good point that I wanted to ask you about. You know, when it comes to things like Google Anthos, uh, Azure Stack, HCI, EKS Anywhere, uh, AWS Outposts, right? Th th this this whole ability to like take a box and pop it into a data center, uh, pop it into a server rack because you want to feel like you're in the cloud. You want to be able to manage your on-prem workloads the same way that you can in the cloud with the same tooling and all of that. How do you feel about that overall? Because, you know, we, I, I, you mentioned before, you know, you're in the container space, so you're not thinking about VMware all that much. But would 
would the workload still kind of feel the same? Like, you know, if you have that VMware background um, and if you have that on-prem background, but you want to manage containers, you know, on-prem, right? Is is going with like Azure Stack HCI or one of the other solutions recommended? Or is it recommended to like, just, you know what, rip the Band-Aid off, go in the cloud? I mean, you're going to hate this answer. Uh, it depends. Right. right. That's my, I, I learned how to use that really well being in consulting, but it's true. It really depends. Right. I've been at organizations where they have like an app where there's tons of microservices and like this app might be generating 10 million for the business. Right. And so they got a bunch of stuff running on servers. They got some stuff maybe running on some paths. Um, they might even have something containerized and you know, they have ambitions to move it all to the cloud. Um, and maybe they want to containerize it and, you know, maybe they want to move some other stuff to PaaS. But in reality, like, you know, we're talking about projects that are going to take like three years or more because of all the moving parts, all the microservices and just how complex it is. And so... You know, sometimes it makes sense to leave some of those services on servers for the time being. Sometimes it makes sense to containerize. And so with applications like that, you can't really just rip the Band-Aid off because you don't want to impact that $10 million a year revenue, right? But if you have smaller applications where maybe there's less microservices or you have a one-off thing that's running on a server, containerize that containerize it, throw it up in the cloud, or even move it to pass, right? So it's it's more of a activity of like going through and looking at your applications. And then you have organizations, right? Financial, healthcare, other, they have very strict compliance and they need to, they have to, right? It's part of the business. Now, Cloud providers support things like high trust and other compliance, right? So, I mean, the cloud providers and Microsoft especially has done a very good job of meeting tons of compliances that are out there in the world, right? To help make it easier for those organizations to move their stuff to the cloud. But in reality, there's going to be some things that might have to live on-prem, and those organizations, just because they have to have things still on premises, doesn't mean they have to miss out on the cloud capabilities or doing things in a more DevOps way, right? And so that's where you bring in things like Azure Stack HCI or Azure Stack Hub or what have you, or even some of the other cloud providers' um, on-premises hybrid offerings, right? Because here's the thing, if you can move a workload onto an Azure stack that's running on-prem, it's all running on top of ARM. So now we can terraform whatever we need to. We can use ARM templates. We can use Pulumi. We can use, right? We can start to automate and we can start to move towards doing things in a cloud way, even though there's these workloads are still on-premises. And then when when the time comes where it's like, okay, um, the auditors or or whoever is okay with us moving this onto the cloud, like public cloud, let's move it. Or maybe it'll stay on premises forever, right? So it's all about like having that flexibility. And and the answer goes back to, it depends. 
<laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for that explanation. I appreciate it. Now, we're going to be wrapping up here in just a second. But one more thing I wanted to bring up, and, and I'm not even sure if, if you're familiar with this. I know it's like a very niche, odd thing. I, I've just uh, recently become familiar with it myself. But have you heard of Kata containers? I have not. Okay, so Kata containers are very weird. Um, they're they're pretty much never used in production. But essentially, what it is is it's like a container that's pointing to a virtual machine. So it's like you're managing a virtual mm. machine inside of Kubernetes, very similar to like what you know uh, HashiCorp Nomad is doing, right? Where it's like orchestrating everything, regardless of if it's a container or not. Now with Kata containers, you probably never heard of it because. I've never seen a production environment actually use it because it's a it's a it's a use case that's very uh, odd, right? But with that being said, thinking about the hybrid thing, thinking about the on-prem, thinking about those applications that you're mentioning, that like there's always there may always be something in in the data center. Do you foresee something like the concept of what Cata Containers is doing becoming uh, a norm for those companies? Or do you think it's going to be more of like the hybrid Azure Stack HCI thing? Thinking about it from a theoretical perspective, right? Because I know we both haven't seen it uh, used in production. Actually, so so I haven't heard of that specific technology. But what I have heard of and what I've been diving into recently is actually KubeVert. Mm. And so KubeVert is the same concept, right? It's taking uh, Kubernetes and being able to run virtual machines basically on Kubernetes. And so I'm diving into that. Um, and also, I've seen an interest kind of peak in that area. Also, with things like crossplane, right, is very interesting to me. And thinking about GitOps, so like with crossplane, you can um, deploy and manage all of your infrastructure, whether it's on premises or in the cloud, um, basically using Kubernetes. So you're writing Kubernetes manifest files; it becomes your controller. So it's just interesting to see some of these other technologies like Kubert, like Crossplane, kind of popping up um, and seeing those gain some traction. How much traction? I don't really know. But those are two areas that I've been diving into recently. And with hybrid cloud and, and having to leave virtual machines behind, you know, in many cases, like there's a use case for those technologies. And then, and then when I think about GitOps and what GitOps offers, you know, it makes a lot of sense to try to manage your VMs in a different way so you can bring in technologies like GitOps. And I, I, I don't want to push the misconception that GitOps is only focused on Kubernetes because it's not, right? GitOps itself is a pattern. There are GitOps operators, and the GitOps operators are the software agents that do the stuff like deploy to your environments, right? And help with configuration drift. But GitOps itself is a pattern. And so you can apply that pattern to any infrastructure, right? Any applications that are running on VMs or containers, like GitOps doesn't really care. It's just all about meeting the principles and utilizing the pattern. And so I think we're going to see more and more tools coming out, like more GitOps operators that are going to work with technologies outside of Kubernetes. Yeah. And no, so that's sure. what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. no, absolutely, man. And I, you know what? It's funny, you just brought up Kubevert and now I, I need to check my math because am I thinking about Kata containers or am I thinking about Kubevert with that, 
with, with, with what I was saying. I forget off the top of my head. There's way too many technologies. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of systems versus platforms, right, you're absolutely correct. Like, like the GitOps is like the system. And then you have the platforms, uh, Argo and Flux and all these other ones. So you're absolutely right. Like you think you got to think about it from a um, what it what the thing is doing versus how to accomplish the thing. Two two very different things. So with that being said, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up. Steve, where can everybody find you? This is a chance to plug your gajillion books that you have out there and your <laughs> plural site courses and everything else that I don't know uh, how you have time for. <laughs> Yeah, so you can find me at uh, bucatech.com. That's B-U-C-H-A-T-E-C-H.com. And you can find me on Twitter, same handle, bucatech. So I've published like eight books. Most recent books are on AKS, uh, Azure Stack, as well as Azure Arcs. You'll find a lot of stuff um, around containers and and multi-cloud and hybrid cloud. Um, I've also published... 16 courses on Pluralsight, and I have more in the works. So definitely subscribe to my Pluralsight profile there um, and just follow me on Twitter. And I just love contributing to the community. I'm always doing stuff like this, like podcasts and speaking at different um, events and stuff. So yeah, follow me in the community. Let's definitely engage and just keep keep an eye out. I love sharing and contributing back to the community. So thanks for joining me today, man. Really appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much. Thanks, Michael.